Now, I strategically prepared a, uh, a streamlined sermon for today. And it's going to be based in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. So if you'd like to find that in your Bibles, uh, you'll want to follow along in, in your Bibles. As you're finding Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, what I want to do today, based on this passage, is I want to exhort all of you, whether you're a father or a mother or not, or a grandfather or grandmother or not, I want to exhort all of you to embrace your greater parental responsibility as part of the church. So I believe, based on the teaching of Scripture, that we all have a, a sort of parental responsibility just by being part of the church. We are responsible for the generations that come after us. Okay, so we're, we're broadening our horizons beyond just biological family now, and we're thinking about the church family, the family of God. Now, we do this, as we'll see in this passage, by maturing, modeling, and mentoring. Okay, so those are the three points I want to highlight from Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Embracing our greater parental responsibility in the church by maturing, modeling, and mentoring. So let's stand together as an expression of honor as we read God's word. I think that might be good to get the blood flowing. You've been sitting for a little while. And we will read Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. So Titus is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a pastor named Titus to encourage him as he pastors his church. So he writes under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But as for you... Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Let's pray together before we're seated. Father, thank you for your word. Please use this word like a, a scalpel to our souls and mold us, change us, remove what is uh, sinful from us. Heal us where we need to be healed. Nourish us in our faith in Jesus Christ, and may we, may we change to suit your will based in this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, Paul is urging Titus to teach his people what I'd like to try to encourage us with today, to embrace our larger parental responsibility in the church. And I believe we do that in multiple ways, but in three that are specific to this passage through um, maturing, 
modeling, and mentoring. Okay, so let's tackle the first point. Mature. I mean that as a verb, not a noun. We need to mature. No matter what age you are or what stage you you are in in your Christian life, we ought to all always be maturing. Now, I believe what he has in mind here is that our character should grow along with our understanding of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. If you look back at verse 1. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. What accords with sound doctrine. And then in verse 2 and 3, he goes on into what accords with sound doctrine. And it's all about Christian character and Christian maturity. That word accords with, it, it has the idea of fitting. Fitting properly, like clothes that fit properly. Our character ought to fit Christian doctrine properly. I mean, we believe some glorious and profound things. We believe that we are created in the image of God himself. We believe that through Jesus Christ, we have salvation and and that image is being restored from what sin has done to it. We believe some grand things, but often our character falls short of fitting those beliefs. I had a professor in Bible college, I won't mention his name, just by the extreme off chance that he might listen to this sermon. But he apparently, before I got to Bible college, was a very robust figure. Um, Apparently, very robust figure. But I didn't know that. And at first in his class, I always wondered about his clothes. He had been a lawyer before becoming a professor at Bible college. And so he had these nice suits and they're all monogrammed with his initials. And you could tell they're very expensive, but they did not fit at all. They looked ridiculous. It looked like he had borrowed some, like his older brother's suit or something. And his, his shirt would hang the neck of his shirt. He would have a tie on, but the neck would be like down here. And the, the suit jacket itself, if he were to wrap it tight, it would be like this. Nothing fit. And then I realized he had undergone one of those surgeries, those gastric bypass surgeries, and had lost weight really rapidly and had not replaced any of his wardrobe. So none of his clothes fit, and it just looked very uncomfortable and very weird. See, as his physical body changed, he needed clothes that fit the changes within. Okay? Christian character is sort of like our clothes. Now, we ought to be growing and maturing in our understanding of Jesus Christ and what we have in the gospel. We ought to always be getting deeper in our knowledge about Jesus Christ, sound doctrine. But as we do, our character also ought to be changing, and it ought to be fitting the more that we're learning. So we come to church each week, and we go to Sunday school, and you hear me preach, and many of you go to house to house, and many of you have regular quiet times in your word. Many of you read Christian books, listen to sermons. All this intake ought to be transforming us by the renewing of our mind, truly changing who we are. Now, it's not just meant to change how we think, but it's meant to also change our character. And apparently it takes some intentional effort to put on character fitting for sound doctrine. So let's read back through verses 2 and 3, what mature Christian character ought to look like, what we all ought to be growing in and aspiring toward. Okay, I'm not going to comment much on it just for the sake of time. We'll let it speak for itself. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, 
and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are in the same manner are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. Now the character traits that he is highlighting here all have to do with maturity. Okay, they're not so much in the category of, of what you would typically think of in, in terms of holiness, although I'm sure that is implied as well. But right now he just seems to be thinking in terms of maturity. Okay, these are words you would associate with a very mature older man or older woman. as a certain uh, seriousness about it, that sober-minded, clear-thinking seriousness. There's a gravity to it, that dignity that he talks about. There's a, an ability to moderate the self, that self-control. We ought to, as we grow, need uh, less and less external control, but we ought to be able to control ourselves. Um, the soundness of faith, love, and steadfastness, that's a, a sense of everything's more and more and more in good working order. It's, it's a word similar to our word hygiene, translated soundness there. That word reverent has to, to do with um, suitable for the sacred. You know, I remember a time a while back, um, there was an individual who wanted to be very involved at the church and even take leadership in the church. Uh, this individual is not a part of the church any longer. Um, and while at church, they seemed to have pretty good Christian character. But we happened to park in the same parking lot with this individual one day, just through the week. And we heard them shouting profanity at their children in the parking lot. And so therefore, we never did welcome them into church leadership because there wasn't a reverence of behavior. The, the character was not suitable for the sacred. See, the idea here is that who you are in here needs to be the same person you are out there. And, you know, there's, you'll hear people say, well, I shouldn't say this in church, but I'll tell you later. Well, if you shouldn't say it here, you really just probably shouldn't say it. You know, we ought to be maturing in our Christian character to the point where who we are out there is the same as we are in here. You ought to live as though a church could fall out of the sky at any moment and you could be in church. Are you acting appropriately? That's the kind of maturity we're, we're after. These character traits that I just read fit Christian doctrine. Now let's move on to the second thing. We, we need to mature in order to embrace our greater parental responsibility in the church. And we need to model that maturity. We need to model these Christian character traits. I just want to read through the first three verses again. I want you to pay attention for uh, the generational kind of language in there. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And then verse 4, and so train the young women to love their husbands. And it goes on to how that ought to filter down into the younger generations. Older men, older women. Okay, he doesn't say mercifully, I think, old men, old women, older so you might not think of yourself as an old man or an old woman. 
I'm only 32 and I can tell you that you are. I'm just kidding. You might not think of yourself as an old man or old woman, but you are always older than somebody. Unless you, maybe this little guy right here is, I don't think right now he's older than anybody in the church. You're always older than somebody. There's always a younger generation looking up to you if you're part of the church. And it's not that they should be looking up to you, it's that they are. They see you as what a Christian of your age looks like. And then it sets their self-expectations for what they ought to look like. You're always older than somebody. I don't think of myself as old, but I know that I'm older. I'm older than I was last Father's Day. I'm older than many people. You know, the Brooks wedding that we had here a few weeks ago, I got to officiate, which means I got to go to the rehearsal dinner. And I was sitting at the rehearsal dinner with Clint and Casey and all their friends. And we were just all talking and getting to know one another. And it turned out one of those guys went to Piedmont High School and I went to Piedmont High School. So I said, oh, maybe we know some of the same people. When did you graduate? 2010. I graduated in 2000. I'm a decade advanced from him, but sitting there, I thought, I felt like we were the same age and we're not even close. So I'm older. I'm an older man to some. Okay. You are older men and women to many in the church and you need to act like it. We need to embrace that. We need to see that as a gift and a calling in the church to mature appropriately you know, we live in a culture that does not really prize maturity. Uh, we live in a culture where uh, young men especially are kind of trained to dress and act like kids for most of their adult life. In the church, it ought to be different. Let's embrace this. Let's embrace Christian maturity. Ask yourself, truly ask yourself right now, what would the church be like if all those who are younger than me are just like me when they get to my age, what kind of church will we have if all the younger men become just like me? Women, ask yourself, what kind of church would we be if all the younger women become just like me? You want to embrace what we have in Jesus Christ all the way so that it even changes your character. Let's move on to the last point here. I've got some other things I could say there, would like to say, but I won't today. Um, we can embrace our greater parental responsibility in the church by maturing, modeling, and mentoring. Let's read the last part of verse 3 through verse 6. They are to teach what is good, these older men and women, and so train the young women to love their husbands. Teach, train, do you see those words? They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. You know, I do a lot of, I have done, especially this summer, a lot of premarital counseling. And one thing I would love to do is be able to connect each new couple getting married with one, two, three very mature Christian older couples that can kind of mentor them. Even if it's just rotate, one of you take a month and once a month have them over for dinner and just see how they're doing and, and just 
See how you can be praying for them. Let them see how you are together in your home. Let them see how you are with your children if you have children. Now, that's something I would really like to do. I haven't got that going yet. But that's how God set up the church so that younger generations can learn Christ and Christian character. It's modeled and mentored through older generations. So one word of admonishment here or exhortation here. Don't gripe about the younger generation. I I originally wrote that. Don't just gripe about the younger generation. Take some action to mentor them. But then I took the word just out because really we just shouldn't gripe about the younger generation at all. It's not productive. It's not helpful. It's condemning to them. It, It sets us off as if we're all high and mighty and they just need to get it figured out. They're not going to figure it out without us. The younger generations are not going to figure it out without the older generations taking responsibility for them. Okay, younger generations need the older generations. And again, that's not just for old people. Okay, this is for all of us because we always have younger people in our lives. I was sitting with someone who is college-aged. They used to be in the youth group. And we got to talking about cell phone technology. And you would have thought that we were two crotchety old men. I can't believe how these, you know, these kids today are texting all the time and they don't pay any attention to what's going on in the real world. And he's only like three years removed from high school age. So it's already setting in. The changes are happening so rapidly. Each new generation is feeling alienated from the generations behind it at a much more rapid rate than it used to. So I just want to encourage you. Let's not gripe about younger generations. Let's pray for them. Let's pursue them. Let's uh, use any opportunity available to us to minister to them and serve them and mentor them. Be thinking, who could I have over for dinner? Who could I spend a little more time with? Who should I be praying for? How could I get more just time with younger generations? Be thinking, if you're a younger person, be thinking, who is is an older Christian that I admire and that I respect that I would like to have more time with, that I would like to come to and ask for advice. It can be kind of like a school dance where you got younger generations on one side and older generations on the other, and they kind of know they should be mentoring and they kind of know they should be mentored, but who's going to make the first move and it's awkward. I don't know who should. It might be actually easier if younger folks who are open to it would reach out to an older person that they admire and say, can we get coffee? I just want to pick your brain a little bit. Um, I'm not sure how it should work. Maybe the Holy Spirit is is prompting you now with a name or a face of someone you could reach out to uh, in a loving, mentoring kind of way or in a humble, learning kind of way. Now, I want to finish with this. I'm sure it's probably about lunchtime. I want to finish with what's at stake here. Listen to verses 5 through 10 for what is at stake and whether or not we as the church embrace our larger parental responsibility within the church. Verse 5 is continuing continuing a list of of what um, younger women should be pursuing. It says, uh, be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. That the word of God may not be reviled. See, what stands between the world reviling and blaspheming the word of God 
is in large part what they view as the Christian character of the church. Often the most criticism that the word of God gets is not because of the word of God itself, but because of the poor character of the church. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So all this Christian character that we need to be getting fitted right and tailored correct to the glorious gospel and the glorious doctrine that we have, it adorns the doctrine of God our Savior. That word adorn there is it's like to organize. Have you ever organized your desk at work and how good that looks? Is anybody else like me and that's like the one of the best things in life is an organized workspace? It can also mean decorate. It's just the idea of something that's attractive because it's put together neatly arranged and and it looks good. Okay? Our character is the adornment of the doctrine of God, our savior to the world. What they see first is the character of the church. Okay. And the way character develops within the church is through intergenerational ministry, younger people growing to look more like the mature, older people in the church. So I think about it kind of like the church parsonage. It sits at the very entrance of our neighborhood. We had some friends selling their house recently deeper in the neighborhood And it was a very busy time for me, and I had not been on top of things with my lawn. If you ever ever drive by the parsonage, you can tell sometimes I'm on it, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes it looks okay, sometimes it looks like that house from the Burbs. Did you ever see that? And it was one of those times where it looked like that house from the Burbs. And I realized I kind of have a responsibility as the house at the entrance of our neighborhood. You know, if I drive into a neighborhood, I'm thinking about buying a house, and the first house I see looks like the house from the Burbs, it's going to make an impression on me. See, your character is sort of like that house. Your character is what people see first. And in Christ, we have every opportunity in the world to mature into truly godly men and women. And we will mature. It is happening, and I'm so encouraged as I see it happening. And I just want to encourage you to embrace that process. Embrace Christian maturity. It doesn't mean you're getting old. It means you're growing mature, and that's good. If a younger person calls you this week and says, Matt told me to call an old person so that they could mentor me, don't be offended. Be glad, because they must see in you Christian maturity, and that's good. That's really good. That's what we all should be striving for. So let's pray together. Father, I'm so thankful that we get to be a family together. We may be a bunch of misfits and we are very far from perfect. I'm grateful for Jesus Christ that he was perfect on our behalf, that we don't have to try to earn anything through our perfection, that in Jesus Christ, we have everything. Let us take advantage of that everything. Let us take full advantage of that and truly change and truly grow. And I ask for Doolin's Grove specifically that you would guide us and enable us to facilitate even structurally and just personally on on the ground level, intergenerational ministry. 
that the mature saints who have followed Christ for many, many years could have a, a clean link with younger believers. And that your church would be built up through these relationships. In Jesus' name, amen.